last time on Join the Party. Alonzo comes back from his mud coma and is quickly on his guard. The adventurers try to talk him down, but he cannot get off of high alert. So Johnny turns to drastic measures. While he's talking, I give him the two fingers and I cast Charm Person. With Representative Brink no longer the star of a reality show, they finally ask her what the hell is going on. And really, she doesn't know that much. Was it your idea or did someone come to you with an idea? Well, it's my intellectual property, I guess, because I no was... No one's... Uh, so you oh, did okay, it. Okay, okay, okay. Cool, cool, cool. Meanwhile, the mansion is falling apart, and Johnny's help signal is finally answered by Noto Odo. She helps them climb on the outside of Trotopolis and lets them in to the homestead. But peace doesn't last for long. Hannah, there are, um, 50 reporters here at, uh, my gates. Representative Brink organizes a slapdash press conference, and the party fields questions as TV show fan favorites. But one question looms on the horizon. Will Inara take Brinks' love? A headline screams back at them. Representative Brink single. Heroes disappear. What happens next? Hey, wait. What does happen next? Let's get the party started. So we start with Alonzo. Noto led them to their representative suite that they have on the homestead. And Alonzo sits down on the bed and Alonzo thinks, what was I mad about? And like the alarm of the charm goes off and he goes, oh yeah, that asshole Johnny. And then he just passes out and falls asleep. And Alonzo wakes up five hours later and it's dark outside and standing over him is a hooded figure. She takes off her hood, and it's Inara. All right, Lonzo, I didn't really want to come down to this, but uh, we're, we're going back to Fidopolis, and we're going now. Ah! Oh, God. Hello. Good, good morning? Oakcake sits on his chest and starts licking his face. Oh, oh okay. It's so, it's so cute, and I appreciate it, but oh, no. Oh, ah. It's everywhere. I'm angry. I can't be licked while I'm angry. I'm going to let you say your piece, but I don't think I can trust you to be walking around on your own right now. So Noto's going to give us a carriage or something. Hopefully we should ask her now and we're going to go and head back. But I can't leave you on your own, bud. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. You don't get to tell me what to do. Uh, I'm going to go beat up Johnny. With my, with my hands. And I'm going to push him in the face because he was a jerk. And he charmed me. That's what happened. That was crazy. Inara holds up her left arm. And Alonzo feels his right arm raising too because they are handcuffed together. How did you do this to me? Why was I? I was sleeping. Yeah. Uh, sneaky me. That's my main, my main characteristic right here. But we are going to have to decide what we are doing here together so alonzo tries to get up and push past you but you can't go anywhere yeah inara is small but strong and can also do that toddler thing where they just like become dead weight in your arms and like can't, <laughs> can't be lifted yeah while you dead weight he tries yep. to pull you along he can only go to the door before he's just worn out all of this magic has just taken out so much from him and he says there's no way getting out of this without you helping me is there this is what you wanted to do. You wanted to go back to Fidopolis. I want to go too. <sighs> oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, fine. All right, let's go. Lead the way. Um, pick yourself up. It's hurting. You're too heavy. Inara stands and hoists her pack onto her back. She is so small that her arm is kind of like perpendicular to her shoulder, and that's where Alonzo's wrist hangs down. So <laughs> it's pretty comfortable for him, but Inara's constantly kind of like lifting her arm up one. And I want to talk to Brinks. So. With Alonzo attached to you? I mean, 
I thought about this before I thought about that. So, yeah. D&D, I thought about this before I thought about that. It's, if only you could have talked to her before. Well, you oh, know, well. could have done a lot of things. If only you had an I could have been a sailor, could have been a cook. Don't worry, let me flashbang us out of this situation. <laughs> Boom, daylight. Oh, good, good, good. Yeah. Johnny sits up in bed and is like, there's an awkward situation happening. I must be there. All right, so where are we going? Where do these uh, deep pink people, kind of like a fuchsia, where do these fuchsia people keep their horses? Yeah, I was, I was thinking more like rose pink. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, I, I, I talked to uh, Noto last night and I just have a quick conversation to have and you can just, you know, make like, um, make like, uh, uh, like think about Tracy and be the opposite of that and just and just don't say anything and be be just a little bit quiet and discreet and just don't make any eye contact. Don't say anything. Don't like interrupt. Just, just shh, 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 shh. Uh, for I'll, like five minutes. Okay. We're going to play. But what I, what I, I don't have a choice. Do I? We are going at some point to make lots of choices together right now. The choice is mine. I am wearing the choice hat. See? <laughs> and, I like uh, it. I and, like and your I was hat. And I'm going to pull a bedraggled handkerchief out of her pocket and hold it up, like put it on her head for a moment and then be like, uh-huh, and then take it back off and put it in her pocket. Can I have the choice hat? You can have it in like 15 minutes, bud, if you're really good. Here's a snack, Alonzo. And I give him an oat cake. Alonzo takes the oat cake and starts nibbling on it and says, mm, 15 minutes. So I'm going to knock on the last door on the right. Do you have a secret knock? Yeah, I'm going to do the uh, the one that I heard Tracy do, which is the shaven haircut knock. And from inside, you hear Representative Brink say, Two bits. I come, yeah, come in. And Ara's going to open the door. Representative Brink is inside, and you've seen her perfect every time that you've been with her throughout the competition, whether it's in... Her evening gown, or in her like her slightly tussled, casual wear. Um, I remember it was an off-the-shoulder sweater. Yeah, so she's wearing the same off-the-shoulder sweater, but it's like she's been wearing it for three days, and it's just like a little, it's wrinkled, and she's wearing oversized sweatpants, and her hair is in a uh, top knot, and she has a pore strip on her nose, and she's barefoot. So Alonzo is go- is around the doorframe from me. And I'm going to just kind of lean against the doorframe really casually with one arm out of frame (laughs) and say, uh, hi, Hannah. Anara. Um, you know, usually when I get publicly broken up with, I usually don't hear from them for at least 24 hours. And then that's when I start getting all of the heartfelt letters, um, be like, oh my God, take me back. But this is a change showing up only a little while after. It's bold. I I just wanted you to know that I have stuff that I have to take care of and people I've made promises to. <laughs> it's not the first time I've heard that. What are you, some kind of hero or something? You have challenges and monsters to slay? Are you, you just going to like go hang out with your friends? Like, what is this? I mean, not yet, but... That's the life I, I want for myself, and I never expected you to 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 say my name. If I if I did, I I, I don't think I would have let it get that far. I mean, I wish I could be that ending for you, and maybe once I take care of what I have to take care of, you know, who knows what'll happen then, but. You deserve a heck of a lot more than someone with half a mind already committed. That's the most beautiful way I've heard it's not you, it's me. Again, it's bold. We'll see if I'm even uh, still representative by the time you get back from, you know, figuring yourself out. I'm really sorry. And I know that Something really awesome is coming your way. Well, I'm sorry too. Is that it? Yeah. So Anara's going to close the door behind her and out of the top of her pack, take the Antopolis Sailing School shirt and leave it folded outside Hannah's door. 
I'm going to hurry Alonzo down the hallway, not making eye contact, and we're going to go to the service wing, uh, utility wing of the house. That, I think, is where we're going to be able to borrow a carriage or a horse or helicopter, who knows, and get the heck out of here. Sure. This is like a half stable, half garage. There are horses, and Joe the camel is hanging out in there as well. Uh, there's the carriage from when you first showed up at the sinkhole outside of Tortopolis. Oh, good. Someone found it. Yeah. They recovered everything. So anything that you had left in the carriage just was still in there. There's also like two Vespas, you could call them. <laughs> but they're like oversized. Like you can stand on them and the, the wheels are like have really intense treads on them. And of course, they have the same engine that you've seen before, like on the, the winch that was pulling people up. Does one of these steampunk motorcycle-sized fantasy Vespas have a sidecar? You know what? One of them does. Yeah, so we are going to be taking that one. But Alonzo and I see the sidecar at the same time. And with uh, my free hand, I'm going to hold up my fist to do like a rock, paper, scissors. And Alonzo says, I have the choice hat. Give me the choice hat. Fine. And I pass him my lilac once lace-edged, but now pretty tatty uh, handkerchief. And he puts the handkerchief on his head, and he says, I'm riding in the sidecar. Ha! Got him. Cool, that's totally not what I would have decided anyway. Okay, let's do it. And I'll throw our packs in there. I give O'Cake, obviously, a little aviator cap with goggles um, that came out of nowhere. Don't ask me. It was in the, it was in the sidecar. Nice. It nice, was nice. so good, weird. Good, good. And um, try to get this thing started. Okay. There's like a big button right in the middle of the front panel that says, go, with an exclamation point. Before pressing it, I do want to just take a notepaper and pad from my pack and write, Noto, thanks. Please bill to Fidopolis Castle, Kiko, and then a little carrot, like I forgot to write, Kiko Castle, XX, Oatcake, and then smaller beneath it, Dash Inara. And you smash the go button, and it roars to life. The engine, which is in the front, again starts to glow, and you peel out into the night with Alonzo riding beside you. Johnny, the next morning, your room is filled with a pale red light. As the sun comes over the deep chasm and the rocks outside of Tortopolis, everything is tinged with this, like, red rock dust. What do you do? I'm going to wait for my good friend uh, Tracy to do our morning uh, Tai Chi and calisthenics. So until he comes in, I'm going to just rifle through my book, write down some notes uh, from the past adventure, think about the light, the shadow, the good times, the bad. Tracy walks in the room and without saying a word, just gets into the first pose. There's a silence, but there's a beat we're both following as we're moving, going through the motions. Mm, I like that. So as Tracy brings his left arm down from his side, up to the top of his body, and then back in towards his chest, he turns to Johnny and says, What's next? Well, I'm, uh, I'm going to have to stay here a little while. You know that, right, Tracy? Yeah, I figure. And he moves his right arm out to his side. Just because I'm staying here doesn't mean you have to. I mean, I already know all about the light anyway. I've I've heard all of your sermons at this point. Let's oh, say you're six no- times it's over. There's uh, there's some new stuff coming down the block, trust me. Well, you got it. Very excited for I'm, uh, it. I'm thinking about a new uh, way of thinking about the light as an interplay with shadow. It's a whole new thing. It's like a version two of the Book of Light, so... Maybe, you know, I'll share it with you, but, you know, in its own time. Okay, yeah. All right. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I need to, uh, I think I need to spend some time for myself for a bit. Maybe go read some books. In the middle of a a movement of his hands that Johnny normally does that kind of looks like he's preparing an Eldritch Blast, he instead stops just before that moment where the Eldritch Blast would appear and stands up straight and walks over and grabs a pack of files from his bag. I can't get heads or tails of this and hands it over to Tracy. Maybe it'll help you out. Can I borrow these? Is that okay? Of course. 
Tracy brings both of his arms back together to the center of his chest, folds his hands in a praying fashion, and takes a deep breath out and leaves the room. I'm going to match my outfit more or less to the style that everyone's wearing. I'm okay. wearing white socks that have pink flowers on them for my sandals, obviously. Regular shorts, nothing too crazy about those. But my robe that I'm wearing over just a generic shirt is a very light gray with interlaced with vines that have pink roses all over them. Okay. It's very nice. So basically, you're just here for the next two weeks to like talk about the Undying Light and kind of open-ended, but you have to stay. That's great. I can do that. I'm going to instead use this opportunity to do more reflection of how Johnny feels about the Undying Light, the Undying Shadow, the interplay of that, his involvement, and then he'll do some lectures, and I don't think anything too crazy. Sure. I think my first lecture will be on what is the light, how is it relevant, and the interplay between the light and the trinity. Okay, so let's go to your first lecture. I think that someone said, let's have class outside. And immediately Johnny was like, all right. <laughs> I'm absolutely like first class, we're outside. So you're sitting at like the edge of the greenhouse. Mm -hmm. There's about like 50 people all dressed in deep pink and Noda Odo who are all waiting for your lecture. Some of the contestants who have stuck around are there too? Kevin Vacation is in the back. Really? Yeah, he's there. Oh, um, Cruz is there, the one with all of the catchphrases, mm. the dwarf, who is um, surprisingly not dead. Very surprising. Yeah, he's hobbled and he has like two canes, but Fair. he's fine. Everyone is sitting cross-legged on the lawn outside the greenhouse and they are waiting for you to start speaking. And Alice is off to the side and she's holding a folder that ostensibly has your notes in it. Sure. And she hands it to you and says... Johnny, uh, I just I want to say that uh, I know that the tournament was tough, but I'm really here to hear you speak. I apologize to you. I'm sorry that I held you back. Really. Alice, you did not hold me back. You did nothing wrong. I'm very- You sound different. <laughs> is it when what I, is your real voice you know that's something I uh, I'm still finding out myself and hopefully through these lectures we will all find our real voice she takes one of the notes out and she scribbles that down on a piece of paper she's like uh, do you need these I'll tell you what maybe in uh, one of the future lectures but for this one we'll go a bit off the cuff alright go get them you see Noto clap her hands twice and everyone starts silent, quieting down and says alright we're here with the lecture series that we bring to you here at the homestead uh, so everyone give a real warm light welcome to Johnny B. Goodlight. And everyone claps and uh, everyone starts murmuring to each other. like, oh man, I saw him on TV. <laughs> and Johnny, you have 60 faces looking at you expectantly. First, I'd like to thank uh, Noda Odo for hosting me and, and all of us who came from Archspire Hideaway. It's uh, It's been quite a trip and... I hope my time here at Tortopolis isn't, uh, it gets a little more calmed down from, from before. <laughs> so when we think about religion here in the concentric states, obviously we, we know Devar, Adaman, Zeol, but where did they come from? When you look at religion just objectively, it is a way of communicating positive and negative values to a culture, to people, and the Trinity absolutely does that. But here, where we have such magnificent machines and, and real magic, and there is a reality to these gods, to these deities. But where do they even come from? And that's where the light falls in. You see, there is positivity, let's call it, in the world, and there's negativity. You can really split everything into the two. And while we see a lot of negativity in the world these days, and Things have been very strange with stars bursting out, with mud people attacking, with all sorts of craziness. It's always good to remember that there is positivity, there is light. And what I hope to with this series that we begin today and, and what I've devoted my entire life to is the study of the light and its interplay with the shadow. The shadow I've become more and more aware of is as important as the light. The problem being, right now in this world, there's more shadow than there is light. And we have to fix that. Uh, it's not as easy as snapping your fingers and making some light appear, or, or 
finger gunning, some uh, dancing lights everywhere, but it can begin with positive actions, gardening, uh, cooking for those in need, taking in people who have been in an unfortunate situation. Thanks again to Odo. You begin by making the light within yourself, and then you spread out for others. Over the next uh, few weeks, I hope to discuss uh, some more practical things that we can do, but also the more theological and philosophical implications of the light and the shadow. And uh, uh, I, once again, thank you all. Uh, right now, I actually want to do a bit of Q&A, uh, because this is the first uh, session, and I want to know from you uh what you guys are interested in and uh, that way it can better inform me how the next few weeks will go i know him stands up in the front row and says uh hi uh, my name's gypsum hello yeah. gypsum may the light uh, be with gypsum. you gypsum gypsum <laughs> uh, this is this is more of a comment less of a question of course uh, i just want to say that my father my uncle and my second uncle they're all uh, priests in Fidopolis, and they all told me that the Trinity is the only one true religion, and I think that you're wrong. Also, you can buy my screenplay. I wrote it about the, the Trinity. It's called Three Times a Lady. Thank you. <laughs> uh, gypsum, was it? Gypsum. Gypsum. Uh, well, well, Gypsum, uh, Gypsum, I, I will say... Uh, I'm, I am a follower of the Trinity. I think that the Trinity has done some good and is very necessary in this world. I do not believe that you can't have both. Por que no los dos, as they say, you know. Um, Where? Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> random voice from somewhere. Hi, I'm Janet. I have a question, too. <laughs> Well, hold on, hold on, Janet. Let me <laughs> let me finish this this answer. Uh, I would hope, uh, Gypsum, that much like how I would love to read your screen uh, screenplay, uh, that you would uh, at least listen with an open mind and an open heart what I have to say. And if you still walk away uh, uh, unconvinced, that's totally fine by me. I just want to share. Janet, you uh, had a question. Hi, I'm Janet. Yes, I I can I can I, I know. Hi. Hi, hi, Janet. Um, wh what I want to know is, am I a bad person if I feel a lot more filled with shadow than with light? I'd say absolutely not. Um, t take a look at this, and I um, have Eldritch Blast in my hand. This is uh, raw energy that, uh, you know, you can use for fighting, but also in this case for demonstration purposes. Right now, it's half uh, dark energy, half light. But, you know, uh, some people, and as I'm talking, it fills to almost all black, they feel more in tune with the shadow. There's nothing negative with the shadow. It's, it's, uh, it's a different uh, comfort level. It's different preferences. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means that you have to keep yourself in check to make sure you don't go to too much of an extreme. You want to have a balance in life. And if your balance includes more shadow than light, that's still totally fine as long as you're the one in control. And you don't let those inner demons uh, uh, talk to you weirdly when you're trying to do stuff. <laughs> that sounds really specific. Okay. Over there. Uh, hi, I'm Pete. Um, what happens What happens if I do all the good and, and then I die? What happens and then? And what happens if I do all the bad? You, you want to know about what happens after death. The Undying Light and the Undying Shadow, they're more constructs, less uh, deities. I think you would want to go towards the study of the Trinity for what happens after death. Uh, it's more of how you live your life. Think more your actions while you're here than when you move on when it comes to the Light and Shadow. It doesn't matter if you're 60% one or the other. It's, it's about you know your satisfaction, your fulfillment, and that you've found a good balance in life with how you've lived. Thank you. That was that was insightful. In the back, Kevin Vacation raises his hand. Mr. Vacation, hello. Uh, yeah, hi, Johnny. Um, I you ever know? Uh, everybody, hi. I'm Kevin Vacation. Hi, you might know me. Uh, hi. Uh, you might know me from uh, my wings and my cool party attitude. Hi, Kevin. I'm Janet. Uh, hi, Janet. Uh, okay, I okay, Janet. You've had your turn. Thanks. I guess I'm gonna, I'm gonna t I'll meet all of you later, uh, cause we're gonna party. Uh, but I, but um, 
is the Undying Light real? I don't... I, I see that you have power, but I... If I don't see a god, I don't think they're real. Well, uh... Seeing is believing. Well, Kevin, um... You should know that through me uh, is representation of both the Undying Light and Shadow. However, and then I point to the lantern, housed in here is actually a piece, a gift from the Undying Light, and I have it go out over the crowd. When you that happens, everyone gasps. Just because this is a, a, a piece of the Undying Light doesn't mean that we all don't have a piece of the Undying Light and the Undying Shadow within us all. It is... The positive and the negative of all of us. So, yes, this is a manifestation of one of those things, but that is because we are in need of more light in this world right now, more positivity. The crowd is starstruck, and I think you've lost their attention. At this point, everyone's just, like, trying to climb over each other to get a better look at the lantern. And everyone is just, like, talking to each other and be like, oh, have you seen this? Uh, what is that? Is that dangerous? And I think everyone's just, like, shouting questions at you all at the same time. Like I said, I'll be here for the next few weeks, and we can discuss more about the light and the shadow and its uh, relevancy to our lives and how we can make uh, the concentric states and the entire world a better place. Um, I have office hours. Uh, please feel free to come on by, and uh, I can't wait to speak to you all again next lesson. Noto Odo and uh, the keepers here uh, have the schedule. Um, I'll see you all again. Everyone is like climbing over each other to try to talk to you. But I think Noto steps up and is like, all right, well, we have a uh, volleyball next. The volleyball tournament is about to start. Um, and everyone else who has jobs today, uh, go and go and start. And Johnny, she takes by the hand and uh, pulls you away from the crowd with Alice running behind you. Hi, Amanda here. Now, I'm not a huge sports fan, but there is something about international tournaments in the summertime that makes me kind of get it. Walking into a bar or a cafe where every single patron and employee are looking up at the TV together, breath baited, united for a moment in suspense and excitement with the millions of others watching in bars and beds and buses all around the world. This is the collective breath we all take in the moment before a penalty kick. Don't worry, it's going to go exactly as you hope. Welcome to the Midwall. Welcome to our newest patrons, Brendan, Callie, Margaret, David, Rita, Katie, Sally, Mimi, Olivia, Danny, Joe, Scaredy Wolf, Vince, and Soraya, whose name you mispronounced last time, I'm so sorry, and welcome! We love round numbers, and we are nearly at 200 patrons, which would be so lovely for us to celebrate and screen cap and jump around and dance on rooftops to celebrate. There have been so many new folks joining us recently, and it is honestly so motivating for us. Making this show is a true labor of love, and it's seeing folks decide to pledge some money to us on Patreon and join our Discord that really helps keep us going. If you want to join that fun, fun club, you can come on over at patreon.com slash join the party pod. We are sponsored this week by 20 Sided Store in Brooklyn, New York, whose co-owner Lauren Belanco is our resident master dungeon master. Each month, we bring her one of our listeners' questions about games and GMing. Today, our question is, I'm running a game for a few friends who've never played D&D before, and I'm worried that they'll have some trouble getting their characters to interact with one another. How do I get my party to introduce themselves, either in the game or out of game, and get it going? Lauren says, set up a scene in-game where the players' characters are all meeting each other for the first time. Ask the players to describe what their characters are wearing, what they look like, and so forth. Ask the players to discuss, in character, why they're there. Does it relate to their ideals? Were they paid to be there? Have they heard some kind of rumor? Not only will this help your players get to know each other, it'll help them decide what their common goal is and allow you to set up the opening scene of your campaign in a way that will be memorable for sessions to come. Thank you, Master Dungeon Master. Whether your campaign is just starting or it's years long, you can head over to 20sidedstore.com to pick up supplies or visit them in person in Brooklyn, New York. Either way, use our discount code JOINTHEPARTY for 20% off. So head on over to 20, the full word, sidedstore.com, and use our discount code JOINTHEPARTY. We are also sponsored this week by Nerdy Kepi, an Etsy creator out of Philadelphia, creating quality queerware. They have some incredible nerdy stuff for sale, including social justice barred mugs and patches, rainbow clothing, pride yarmulkes, and an only a Sith deals in binaries patch, which is frankly amazing. I could spend all day browsing through their store, so I know you will want to as well. 
head over to bit.ly slash JTP is nerdy to check them out. And be sure to use the code join the party at checkout for 10% off. That's bit.ly slash JTP is nerdy. Finally, here's a little programming note. Before we start our next arc, we are going to publish the audio from our live show. Woohoo! And we're very, very excited. After that, we're going to release plot summaries of the last two arcs, which is a great time to get new friends into the show. Just send them to jointhepartypod.com slash recap, where all of our plot summaries and beginner episodes live. Then it's on to a brand spanking new arc. We are very excited, guys. It's a good one. And now back to the show. Hey, Tracy. Yes? So we're going to cut forward three days. You have a chance to look over the plans that Johnny gave to you. And just a refresher, basically the three that he took, there were files about malfunctioning Warforged, and they're all branded by the Council of Bright. One of them exploded, one of them ran away, and one of them tried to fight back against whoever their handlers were. And these are like formal like state documents, so they're redacted and they're not that detailed, but they give you a sense that there are these like three outliers, and there are way more than what you just saw below Archbire Hideaway. Do I have any sense of time from these documents? I would say these are not ancient, but I think that if you set up the projector in your room, this is like a real gritty noir scene where it's just like you alone with a projector and some files. With a nice hot pot of tea. And with a nice pot of green tea and It's cigarettes. hibiscus. Hibiscus tea and cigarettes. My favorite noir film. <laughs> it had Humphrey Bogart in it. Designation Humphrey Bogart. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> B6RT, I like that. So you're starting to put a lot of it together, and with the film from the projector, I think you can clock it anywhere from a thousand or so years ago to more recently, like a few hundred, anywhere in that range. Like we said, the fashion that Anara was looking at, it's outmoded. So uh, that means that there is at least one, maybe two. Warforged, unless they've been killed in the meantime, which is very hard to do, somewhere extant in the world that are legit Warforged. Possibly, yes. Interesting. I want to find these Warforged. So knowing that and knowing that this mysterious Council of Bright might have some more information, I want to go find out more about both of those things. Is there like a library in town or like someone really old who lives in town? Yeah. There is a library in Tortopolis. Now you can take the actual stairs in between the levels of Tortopolis. And I'd like to imagine Tracy on an escalator. Yeah, he just sings some stuff while he does it. Ba, 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 no, That's ba, elevator ba, music. Ba. Escalator music is like, it's just trap. It's trap music. It's trap music. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Uh, you get directions and you have to go down. So you go down four flights of stairs past where you were with Archbire Hideaway, nearly to the bottom of Tortopolis. And this is, it looks like a university town. It's very quaint down there, but it's all devoted to learning and education. And you walk into the Tortopolis library and the light is very warm. And sitting with her feet up on the desk is a gnome. And she's holding an extremely large and heavy book above her head, but she's just like up there reading it like it's no problem. Hello. Oh, sorry. Hello. She's still holding the book above her head, and she says, uh, ID, please. I am Tracy. Great. ID, ID, please. And she flips a page. I am Tracy. And I bow a little bit. Okay. <laughs> she puts the book down and looks you over and says, uh, that's great. Hi. Nice to meet you. I'm Bella. I'm Tracy. Uh, great, I know, you said uh, a few times. Uh, what? Yeah, if you don't have your library card, you can come in. So, can I see your library card? I don't have one of those, nor know what they are. I have books. Uh, okay, um, well you have to fill out these forms. And she goes into the desk, and she pulls out a clipboard that has like 20 pieces of paper on it. And she gives it to you with a pen. She says, okay, well, why don't you just fill this out, and we can let you in as soon as you can. Tracy just writes in big, bold letters, I am Tracy, on the front page and hands it back. Sir, you have to do all of the, you have to do all the things. 
and if you don't fill this all out, we can't properly get you in the register. And her sentence breaks off, and she's looking at something behind you over your shoulder, and your eyes get really wide. I mean, you know what? You can you can go right in. That's really that's fine. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's really so kind of you. The guests get in for free, I guess. Okay. I don't know library rules, but that sounds like a good rule. Yeah, just don't touch the. Please don't touch the books. Wait, guess of whom? Is she looking over your shoulder, and you hear a wet slop on your shoulder, and you look down, and Chad is standing right behind you. <gasps> Chad. Chad. How Crazy. you been living, man? Tracy, you left the you left the homestead. I don't know where you went. I thought we were doing this together. Tracy, I love to read. Let's go read. Yeah, let's go read. And Chad follows you into the library. So I go into the library and I look for the C's for council. And then I look in the B's for bright. And then I realize I don't know how library works. (laughs) (laughs) As you walk in, Chad is trailing behind you, leaving a trail of ooze on the ground. As Chad, like shuffles over to a bookshelf and is like about to reach out and touch one Bella runs over and says like yeah I can show you I'm a I'm librarian here oh and great I, I'm looking for uh, have you ever heard of the Council of Bright looking for any reference materials on the Council of Bright the Council of Bright like the like the nursery rhyme yes I think alright okay. I guess, yeah. And she leads you over to the uh, children's books. And in there, there are... <laughs> 9,000 copies of My First Warforged. Yeah, one there's on. a lot of them. There's a lot of, like, basic mechanics. <laughs> um, and there's one that's, like, uh, nursery rhymes. And she pulls one down, and she flips a bunch of pages. She opens it up. At the top, it says, The Rhyme of the Council of Bright. The Council of Bright is quite all right, and here to make it all go right. With a metal might, they bring the light and makes it all work day and night. Is there any, like, pictures? Yeah. The rhyme is in the middle, and then around it is a tableau of a town, and all of the windows are lit up in all of the buildings in the town. And you can see that there are little drawings of Warforged there with smiling faces walking around amongst the townsfolk. Hey, Bella, do you know what this town is? No, it's just a drawing in a kid's book. I'm surprised that you're interested in this. I mean, this is for children. Bella, is this like a common nursery rhyme that you heard as like a kid? Or is this just something that's like sort of abstract and weird? Yeah, I mean, I've heard this. This is uh, pretty recognizable. Um, It's kind of spread throughout all the concentric states. What Um, What do parents say when they say this out? Like, is there any contextual accompanying story? No, I think that this kind of, this is always like a, a kid's thing, right? They say it as they, uh, as they play a game. It's like tag, but at the end there's like one, the person who's tagged, and if they're tagged for too long, that like they lose because they're the, the monster there. Uh, and like the Capsule of Bright comes in and like, I mean they're kids, but they like kind of kills them, like they die. It's kind of, gr- yeah, it's kind of grim now that I think yeah, about it. I've never really thought about this A lot really of good stories are, you know. From, yeah. from that time. Yeah. It makes sense. I mean, you look like a lot of the... I mean, I guess I've not really looked at it, and she takes the book. She looks at you, and she looks at the book, and she looks at you, looks Tracy at the book. Tracy poses a little bit. You look at... You know what? I didn't... I didn't know that there were any more like you around. Ta-da! Jazz hands. I, I thought Warforged were just a story, too. I'm in the living flesh, baby. Uh, I, I'm surprised. I, I, you know, let me let me show you something. She leads you down the stairs uh, into the basement, and the basement is really dark, and they have like a another projector down there. This is microfiche. Along the wall, it's just covered in drawers that's sorted by year. As you get farther into the room, everything is, gets older and older and older. And she walks all the way down the room. And she pulls open a drawer. She takes out a roll of film. And she puts it into this device. And it projects an image down. And she starts flipping through it. There's a, uh, a joystick on the machine. 
she holds it to the right, and it goes, and you just see, like, the front pages of newspaper just, like, flip through, and it's like you're going back in time. You see, like, there's a date up in the top, and it's just going, like, by weekly and then monthly and yearly, and it just goes back and back and back. And then the date at the top starts to change. It no longer is going to zero. It's like this totally different configuration with like this number of days and weeks and months and years that you don't understand. The year is like the year 3,427. And on the front page, there's a story about an explosion in the Coliseum. It matches up directly with what you read in the file about the exploding Warforged. This Warforged was fighting like six monsters. They're not really clear. They just kind of call them monsters. And right before the match was about to start, the Warforged literally just exploded. And it caused a commotion and everyone was evacuated from the Coliseum. And there's a quote down at the bottom. And it says, We're taking the necessary time to figure out what's happening with this particular designation. And no one should be worried about what is to happen during our next gladiator fight, said a Council Bright spokesperson. Bella looks down at the image and says, I was rooting around down here just looking at old records and I couldn't believe that Warford was still around. I mean, this is this is like pre-centering stuff. This is crazy. Right? I know. I'm old. You're so old. I'm not that old. It was a joke. No, 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 If I'm, you are as I'm, old... I'm young and spry. It's great. You don't understand. If you are as old as I think you are, you're from before the centering. Hmm. That's it? I just told you that you're over like a thousand years old and you said, hmm, I must... Uh, I look great for being 1100 years old. I mean, it's sort of a backhand compliment when you say these things, but yeah, it's cool, it's great. I kind of have an inkling already, I'm pretty old. I don't know how long I was... Uh, and Tracy realizes that he's starting to share a lot with this librarian that he just met. When you started to be what? Um... Let's just, uh, I haven't been around for a while. Um, I have these other files here that talk about two other Warforged. One that ran away and one that rebelled? Against the council? Is there anything? Does this bring any bells for you? I mean, I can. Yeah, I can do some research. Um. Man. I don't think anyone has ever seen one in person. I mean, it was on TV. A lot of people have now. I don't. I don't have a TV. That's. I uh, like. Bo- I like books. You, that's a good choice, honestly. <laughs> Probably. Okay. Healthy um, choice. Do you want a hug or like. No, I'm just. I'm a really good hugger. No, I'm o- I'm okay. You look like you're trying to say something. What's up? I, I'm just gonna I'm gonna look these up for you. So she takes the files and she goes over to over on the far wall. There's a desk that has a bunch of reference books. She starts flipping through it to figure out where to uh, look next for the microfiche. Can I help with anything, or you no? Here? I'm just gonna I gotta figure it out. Uh, you're just, you're I, really you're so in, you're really interesting. Thanks. You have a cool job, and I I applaud your profession. Cool. Chad, you want to play some chess while we wait? And Chess says, I I don't know how to play this game. I hope that you teach me. Let's do it. You spend some time playing with Chad, and Bella is still over there looking at the reference books. I also bring Tallahassee out for a bit, just give him some some playful wrestles, some petting. He's he's been in the suitcase for a while. Yeah, that's true. You look over at Bella again, and she's on the phone. And she's trying to cup her mouth off as she's talking to the phone. She puts the phone down, and she smiles over at you and waves. She says, hi. Hey, who are you? Who's that? Uh, you know, just getting a bunch of my colleagues to come over. I think that we'd be really fascinated to know what's going on with you. Um, you invited more people to this place? I mean, yeah, I think I need to get my supervisor, cool. and they had some questions, and I think more people, there About are some what? researchers. who, what, I'm not a sideshow here, this is kind of insulting. I gotta say, you can't, a little bit, yeah, you're over a thousand years old, and they want to ask you some questions. Okay, I'm gonna take whatever microfish that you found, and then I'm gonna leave. I mean, it stays, it stays here, you can't. 
You can't take Either it. you tell them to not come, or I'm leaving. And Chad starts to make a move at her. You see this human right here? It's very threatening. Uh, okay. Just hit the print button and you can get a copy of, of this particular day. Great. Just I hit the print button. And Chad's going to check out that, that book, the kid's book. Okay, I guess I'll, that one's on me. Great. You'll take any care of any fees? Uh, no, no fees here. Okay. Okay. Um, just a little tip. When people come and ask you for help, maybe don't ostracize them next time. That's not a great, great feeling. I know that you're being cool about this, but... You're a marvel. You shouldn't be here. And I think people would be interested to know that. And yet, here I am. And I spin my cape. Chad, let's go. Chad takes one, like a fake. She, he fakes out at, at Bella. And then uh, he jiggles a little bit. Yeah, jiggles at her. <laughs> and we leave the library. And with Chad running behind you. Anara, you are on the road back to Fidopolis. Mm -hmm. You've been driving for a little while now, and the engine is getting really, really hot. So you pull over, and you've kind of eaten through all the oat cakes that you have, and you stop at, like, a general store that's on the side of the road. Yeah, I'll park under an awning uh, and give the Vespa some time to cool down. Alonzo and I are going to kind of awkwardly walk sort of close to each other with my cloak draped over joined arms as okay kind of scampers around but we'll i guess go inside and grab some snacks from the uh, general store and then go to sit in the shaded picnic bench area outside the store as the vespa cools down and alonzo is uh stuffing his face with snowballs um, <laughs> are those actual snowballs they're here? actual okay. snowballs yeah covered in coconut and they're disgusting so uh, you kind of Why'd you, why'd you break up with her? Alonzo, we have many more hours on the road. I want you to think very carefully about the questions that you want to ask me. Yeah, this is. I, I feel like I had one chit here, and I'm cashing it in. What happened there? We weren't even dating. We didn't even get a chance to date. She just... <sighs> I wish I got to know her better. But she didn't. And then we were standing there in front of all these people, all lights, and they were going to write about it and talk about it. And they're filming. We've been filming for like, they've been filming us the whole time. You were asleep for a long time. The whole time they were filming us. It was scary. And I. Uh, it was a lot in one second. And I don't want to disappoint her. So I made my choice. Yeah. I uh, I think about disappointing people a lot. I can't really remember, but um, do you remember why Johnny charmed me? And the whole point there was was fuzzy. I woke up, and then I was mad, and now then I just forgot a whole part there, and now I'm. What did I do? I think we were just worried. You seem really mad. And all those mud people, they were following you for some reason. And I I know it's kind of messed up, but I I think it was for your safety and ours. Yeah. Um, I guess that's what it looked like on your end, huh? I mean, I just woke up from the mud, too. I, you're talking about being filmed all the time. I was just, like, upside down like a bat covered in mud, like a stalagmite. A stalactite, whichever one from the ceiling, whichever. Um, I think I, I sent that arrow. I'm pretty sure I did, but you know, it's when you don't, you can't control. I didn't feel my body. It was the last thing I could do was sending that thing out to give you a signal. And we saw it. And the, we, well, so I know we, I know we get on each other's nerves, but we were really excited to see that arrow. We were really worried about you. We didn't want to come to this town. We did because we didn't know where you went and we were worried. And we were really glad to get you back. 
I guess, and stuff. I appreciate that you want to take care of me, but I was really, I really thought I had it there. I didn't recognize those people, except for Brinks, Brinksy, whatever you're calling her. I knew her. I woke up and I have this power to control the mud. I don't. I was just trying to do what I thought was right. I think you had the situation too much under control. And you can do a lot more than you think you can. And I guess that's where we have trouble is. I think you're more powerful than you give yourself credit for. And that's not something to be taken lightly. That's fair. I, uh, that's fair. I, um, I'm gonna get something to drink from inside. You wanna come with me? Sure. I mean, I mean, I, I mean you have to. Yeah. You have <laughs> to. Alonzo goes back inside, and uh, while you're looking at the drinks, he pulls you over to one corner. And in the corner is a claw machine. It's one of those, cl- like, roadside games. Yes. And it's branded with Doofin Boosters. Oh, good. It's, like, in big, bold letters. <laughs> and there's, like, a little cartoon Kenku at the bottom. It's going, rah! And it kind of stoops down to, like, look at the corner, the bottom corner of the machine to see if there's anybody peeking out. <laughs> no, no, there's not. It is, like, blinking lights. And there are the containers that you saw before. And it says, like, try your chance, win a prize, be an adventurer. You know what? I think I have a gold. I mean, this one just takes gold pieces, right? Uh, I think so. Let me, here, uh, I got one. And you pop a gold piece into the machine. Please roll a d20. Hey. A six. Okay. You move it around as much as possible, and you hit the button, and the claw machine comes down and pulls out a green container and drops it down into the slot. This is about the size of a basketball. Well, And you pick it up, and you open it, and inside is an ordinary bag made from gray cloth. And branded on the side of it is the name Bag of Tricks. You got the gray Bag of Tricks. When you put your hand inside, you can pull out a small, fuzzy object, looks like a, a ball of yarn, and you throw it as a bonus action, and you get a random animal. Amazing. It feels like there are three balls of yarn inside of the bag. Amazing. Yeah. I'm going to offer Alonzo a gold piece, too. Alonzo puts in there and does the claw machine. There is a smaller orange capsule that drops down, and he opens it up. And inside, it looks like a plastic bag, and then there's another plastic bag around that, and there's another plastic bag around that, and another one around that. It comes with instructions inside of the container, and he's like, and he reads it out loud, and he says, the plural bag of bags. That sounds weird. You can conjure a swarm of some group of creature. The creature swarm must be below 100 pounds and must have at least four of them. To activate it, you must say, a plural of that creature. You can make up what the plural is if you don't know it, but it must sound correct. Huh. Well, I guess I can control a lot of animals now? <laughs> can, you, can, you, can, can you imagine if with a representative, if you're like in the big meeting hall, but like where all the bagels were, and then someone's like arguing, it's like really boring, and you're like, yeah, I want to sleep, and they don't have enough pastries, and then you're just like, bats! And then just like bats appear. Wouldn't that be awesome? What's a plural of bats? Uh... A bunch of bats. No, that's... How about, uh, how about a vampire of bats? And then the bags open up, and like 10 bats come flying out of the bag. And the store owner's like, oh my god, bats! And <laughs> the bats like start like flying into all the stuff in the, in the store. Uh, yeah, we're going to run out, and Art's going to yell sorry, and just throw a handful of gold behind them. <laughs> As it scatters to the ground, you two hop into your Vespa and sidecar, and you peel away. Johnny, how do you think your lecture series is going? I think it's been going uh, quite well. I've been taking a lot of questions, answers. I think it's important when you're doing any kind of lecture series or if you're an educator that you're learning as much as you're teaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. I think Alice is like even more awestruck than you, she was before, but like in a very tangible way. 
she can't believe that you know so much about the Undying Light, and she saw it, and she's just kind of like, she's around you. She's like orbiting you like a satellite around a planet. Definitely isn't annoying. Definitely not. Definitely not super annoying. And she keeps asking you about your southern accent. After being ushered out, I step back into my room, and I take the lantern off of the staff, and I set it in front of me, and I sit and meditate for a while and attempt to communicate to both the Undying Light and Undying Shadow. I've considered the warnings from both of you about having to choose a path or choose a side or whatever. I think ultimately I've decided that there has to be balance and while I do see a place for shadow, currently there's more shadow than light in this world. And so while I believe in balance, I still believe in propagating light. I hope to share the word of both the light and shadow with these people and more. While I know this isn't strictly a religion like the Trinity, I, I think the best way for the masses to understand and to contemplate, we have to treat this more of a deity type thing. I, I, I guess an issue you guys have to figure out is uh, who gets top billing, but I simply don't care. I'm going to be the one making the rules for this because I'm tired of you guys deciding what my fate has to be. I've been in this world for much too long and I am just, I'm tired of not having a good path. Uh, hope to speak to y'all later. XOXO. Gossip Johnny. <laughs> the lantern that was glowing as you contacted the uh, other realms, it goes back to its normal state and you wait for a response for five seconds, 10 seconds, 30 seconds. I'm enjoying a meditation during this yeah. time. It ain't no big. A full minute. Sure. Five minutes. Great. Ten. I'm having a wonderful time. Thirty. The thing about meditation is you want to do it a lot, so it takes some time. An hour. And you know, two, when, when you meditate, like, it's very healthy. Three. At some point, I do go to the bathroom. And three <laughs> hour, three and a half hours go by. You're like, I'm so hungry. When you finally pull yourself out of your meditative state, you hear... Tracy! The door opens and it's Noto Odo. Oh dear. And she's in a kimono, a lot like yours, and it's pink and white polka dots. And in her hands, she's holding a chest about the size of a bread box. And she says, Oh, Johnny, uh, I figured you might be hungry after all of your uh, lecturing. And I wanted to tell you the dinner's ready. We're having um, tacos. I really, I really like tacos. Tacos are truly the food of the gods. I will uh, join shortly. Uh, what do you have there? Oh, yeah, this. Uh, you know, I wanted to give you a welcoming present, but I... This is, yeah, this is your welcoming present. Oh. And definitely not something I just had laying around. Okay. <laughs> let me, okay, let me try that again. I don't, I don't usually know how to be humble to other people. Um, you are exceptional. And I think that this, <laughs> I think that whatever is in here would be better suited to you. Also, it's stuck and I can't get it open. Oh, oh, okay. This makes sense. Okay, okay. here you go. Tacos, see you there. I will be there shortly. Save some uh, pojo guisado for me. I don't know what that is. I just eat the tacos. And she walks away. <laughs> I have a chest in front of me. Yeah. And it's old. It's like rusted over. Any defining marks on it that could be interesting? Yeah. Me? On the left side, there's actually a button that says press me. I'm not. <laughs> press the button. Press the button. So I'm not detecting anything button. weird about this. No. Okay. I press the button. And it opens. Okay. So she's just dumb. <laughs> she's, she, she doesn't know how chests work. Okay. Because that's really what it. Maybe it takes the worthy. She has a chest person that does this Yeah, for she has her. a button pusher, and he has been on vacation for the last three weeks. She's like, oh, okay. it's like It's like you give someone a blender, and it's like, how do I, what do I do with this? How do I, I don't know. That, that is not a difficult gift. I know, either. it's not. Okay, roll a d20. You make soup. Roll a d20. Roll so. a d20. Or smoothies. Or Which d20 peanut butter. Or hummus. No, I'm not going to. Or smoothies. <laughs> Twelve. 
All right, with a 12. Inside is a patch, and it's sticky. On the patch, there's a shape of a man standing there, and then next to him is another man that's just like the outline of the man. Do I recognize this iconography for specific spell type purposes as either invisible or duplicate self or anything? Well, it's funny that you asked that because this looks like the symbology for teleportation. Ah. This is the teleport patch. For the next hour, each time the weapon or object the patch is attached to strikes a solid creature or object hard enough to inflict damage, the target of the strike teleports to a random location a hundred <laughs> feet away. A random location? A ran- you have to roll a, d- a d10. Oh, oh boy. You're going to roll a d10 to determine direction and it's going to be clockwise from north is one and then two, you know, around in a sure. compass rows. Nine is straight up and ten you burrow underground. Oh, oh boy. You can, wow. There's like a tunnel. You like tunnel No, I got you. You can only do this once per day. Once per day? Yeah. And Johnny... You do the only thing that you know in your life to be your exact purpose. You run out to go eat some tacos. Tracy. Tracy, name a place you think that you and Chad would be able to hide out. A park. park? Hiding in plain sight. Okay. You two are sitting on a bench. Uh, I think we're talking back and forth about our experiences in the mansion. Kind of hearing firsthand what Chad's thoughts were, where we went wrong and our strategy, why we didn't get Chad to win. Chad says, well, you know, I really think that I had a shot there, but I think that when everything started falling apart and there was political turmoil, then I uh, I was really out there. Yeah, that was really the, the nail in the coffin, huh? Yeah. I think Representative Brink liked me. I do too. You like me? I love you. I, what? That was. Tracy, I love you too. And we hug. What? What does that even look like? It's just like if you were to hug a giant pile of silly putty. It's just like it gives and you go a little icky. Oh. <laughs> and you like go inside? I mean, see, I'm used to having Johnny around to just prestige my. That's true. Body clean. <laughs> I'm not used to it yet. So I think as you hug him, like your yeah, your hands do go inside, and I think that once you can like see your hands inside of Chad, and you for the first time you can tell that there's like stuff floating inside Chad. There's like parts of his bed from before, and there's like a chair, and like a tr- a plant was in there as well, and he as it, and it's like some of that stuff is starting to break down, and there's a bag with a knot in there as well. So as my face is smooshed up against Chad, I see the bag and I look up at Chad and I say, Chad, there's something inside of you. Tracy, I don't know what you're talking about. Humans can't hold things inside them. That's crazy. Yeah, we can. There's like food and organs and things. Well, it must be a splinter or something. Tracy, would you go in there and take it out? Chad, is that what friends do with other friends? Yeah, if a, if a human had a splinter, he would definitely need help to pull it out. Okay. And Tracy, I want to be extra clear about this. The most reluctant he's ever been to do anything in his entire life grabs the bag. Okay. Yeah, you get your hand around, hand out it, and you just try to pull it out, and there's like a, a little bit of a sucking noise as you pull oh, it out. Oh, that's literally the worst noise on the planet. And you pull it out with a pop, and now you have this bag in your hand roll a d20 seven okay inside this bag this is a lot bigger than you thought it would be and you see a handle inside that looks a lot like your axe's handle and you put two hands on the handle and you pull it out and this is a two-sided axe and there are snakes that curl around the handle Neat. and go up above Neat. the axe. And, and macaroni and cheese. <gasps> Ooh, that's good. Yeah. I like that. And both sides of the axe have uh, little red crosses on them. And this is called the sawbone. <laughs> the sawbone is a two-handed axe, and you can wield it as a regular axe, but 
this has a very special quality. It actually can heal people. You need to convince your patient to stay still. And then you this does 1d10 damage. So you're going to roll a d10. And then you're going to heal them for 1d20 damage. Neat. And you can also wield this as a regular axe. Love it. That's cool. Yeah. Oh, Chad, this was a little more than a splinter, I think. Oh, Tracy, thanks for pulling that out of me. You're welcome. Chad, like, shivers for a second. And then the part where the gelatin in him closes up. And he says, Tracy, I have something to tell you. Um, after what happened in the library, I, uh... I also know what it's like to be looked at, strangely. People look at me weird all the time. And, uh, I, I think I know why. This might surprise you, but, um... Tracy, I'm not a human. Chad, it doesn't matter what people do or call you. You can be whatever you want to be. And I hug him. Thanks, Tracy. I really needed to hear all that. You want to play catch? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Join the Party is brought to you by Brandon Grugel, Amanda McLaughlin, Michael Fichet, and me, Eric Silver. I am your host and game master. Brandon edits, mixes, and scores the show. Amanda manages our community and our digital life. And Michael archives, manual checks, and cartographs our world. Special thanks to our creative consultants, Connor McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Hetty Hunt. The party doesn't stop here. The day after every episode comes out, we publish the after party where we sit down to discuss what just happened and learn what could have happened. Send us your questions anytime. Join our community online by following at JoinThePartyPod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We've also got every episode up on our website, jointhepartypod.com. And you can email us questions or stories anytime at hello at jointhepartypod.com. If you're enjoying this ride as much as we are, help the show out by subscribing to us in iTunes and leaving a quick rating. For even more Join the Party goodness, check out our Patreon. Just a few dollars will get you access to drawings, character backstories, bloopers, and so much more at patreon.com slash jointhepartypod. We'll see you in two weeks. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here.